we've been discovering how we can reverse some things in our life. Turn around, if you will. Connect group, we're going through Tony Evans's U-turn, reversing the consequences of your life. We've been learning some incredible things. Uh, we've learned that as far as the choices and consequences of our life, we're free to make all the choices we want. In fact, that's free will. What we do not get to choose, however, are our consequences. That's up to God. Uh, and we found out that, you know, when you're obeying God and you're listening to his voice and you're doing what he wants you to do, you're in a relationship with him. You're in a covenantal relationship with him. Like marriage, and when you do what he wants you to do, I mean, you're, you're, in, you're close with him and you've got the joy and you've got the peace. What takes us away from that is sin. By the way, sin is any, is any violation of God's divine standard, whether it's by commission or omission, whether you do to, what you do or what you don't do. That's sin. And uh, every time we sin, we get off the path that God wants us to be on. We go away from the destination that God has for us. And oftentimes we get distracted on that road we're traveling with Jesus. Uh, if you've ever been traveling, there's a big sign that says world's, giant, uh, world's biggest ketchup bottle or world's biggest ball of twine or world's biggest rocking chair or an antique mall. We'll get off the road and before long we've went from the, uh, the, the mall down to the ketchup bottle down to, and we'll just kind of get off track. We get off from where we need to be. Now some of those ramps that we get off on, last week we talked about something called idols. When we think about idols, we might think about Jobu or something silver or gold or made out of wood, people bowing down to it. But the truth of the matter is, an idol is any person, place, or thing that takes our focus away from God. It can be money, it can be sex, it can be addiction, it can be whatever. Uh, there's another exit that I want to talk about today that kind of we get off on. We, we, we make the wrong turn, we get off on our destination. Uh, it's addiction. Or a stronghold, the Bible talks about it. The word addiction is not in the Bible, but the word stronghold is. And I think that's a word that really, really, really exemplifies what we're looking at. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5, the word of the Lord says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their, their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey. Y'all, a stronghold is any negative pattern or action. A stronghold is any negative thought or pattern that is opposed to the will of God. And it's in our life, and we just think that's the way it's got to be. It is a stronghold or a pattern of negative thoughts that, contrary, that are contrary to the will of God. And we just think that that's the way our life is. I'm going to tell you how that sounds. It sounds like this. Well, man, that's just the way I was raised. The reason why I talk the way I do is because, you know, my grandma or my grandfather, or my mom and dad or my uncle George, you know, that's the way they talked and that's the way I talk. Or people might say, well, uh, that's just, you know, that's the way I was raised. That was my upbringing. That was where I come from. Or maybe it might sound like this. My mom was an addict or my dad was an addict or my, my daddy was unfaithful to my mom. So that's, that's how come I am the way I am. It could sound like this. Uh, boys will be boys. It might sound like, it's because I'm on my meds. It's my meds making me act that way. Or, you know, the reason I act that way is because I'm, I'm really going through something. I'm going through some stuff. So we kind of use that as a way to explain away our addiction or our stronghold. We just think that's the way it's got to be. That stronghold, by the way, that addiction, what it becomes is it's a sin. And that sin becomes your master. And that master determines what you think, what you feel, what you do, 
It determines your actions and your behavior. Paul wrote it like this. He says in uh, Romans 7, So the trouble really isn't with the law because the law is spiritually good. The trouble is, man, it's with me. It's not anybody else's fault. The buck stops with me for I'm all too human. I'm a slave to what? Doesn't say a slave to hang up or habit or hurt. Doesn't say addiction. She says, man, I'm a slave to sin. Sin is my master. I don't really understand myself because this is what happens. What I want to do, uh, for what I want to do, what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I don't know about you, but man, I think that guy's been reading my mind. Going through my search history. Following me around with the GPS tracker. Going through my texts. Strongholds. Strongholds, addictions. They force us to feel like we have to do that very thing that that stronghold wants us to do. Like we have no choice in the matter. Like it calls the shots. Like we have no say in the matter. That it's the boss. Like we have no voice in the matter. Like this, this stronghold has the absolute last word in our life. Romans 7.14 really tells us why we struggle with this. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual. It's all good. But me, I am what? It's not talking about a lost person being carnal. It's talking about you and me, church people, being carnal. Well, Brother Mike, what's that? Um, uh, carnal means flesh. It means that, and that's a battle that we're going to fight. That battle that we fight between our spirit and our flesh. It'll be a battle we fight until we see Jesus face to face. Okay? Whether you're 99 or 9 years old, I believe that we're going to have that struggle. When we feel helpless or powerless or trapped by our sinful thoughts, by our behaviors and our actions, the addiction has become our boss, become our timekeeper. Our addiction is the one we ask if we can have a day off or if we're free to do something. Our addiction becomes our, our, our life coach, determines what we do. We're not happy about it, but that's just the way it's always been, so apparently that's the way we'll always be. We're not happy about it. But we've been hoodwinked into thinking that there's anything we can do about it. Or we think that there's just no way to bring down that stronghold. There's really no way to bring down that addiction. That's just the way it is. Well, church, I don't think addicts typically want to stay I don't think addicts typically want to stay addicted. Whether you're addicted to porn or food or shopping or whatever. I don't think an addict wants to stay in the chains. They don't want to stay with that master. They don't want to stay with the booze or the pipe or the negative thoughts or the crude language or, or the, the thoughts of selfishness. I don't think anybody wants that stronghold to stay in their life. Paul says many of us feel like that we are irrevocably changed to our addiction. There's no way we can bust out of it. We feel helpless and hopeless and powerless against our stronghold. We feel powerless to make a decision or take steps to be free. We can't do it. We've tried in the past and we've messed up. We've tried in the past and we still have our change. We've tried in the past and we're still just as bummed up as we were. The church... We have to take some decisions if we're ever going to be free. We've got to make some choices if we're ever going to be free. Paul doesn't call these strongholds habits or hang-ups or hurts. He doesn't call them predispositions. He doesn't call them fixations or ideological fixations. He doesn't call it a disorder. He doesn't call it dependence or codependence. What Paul calls those strongholds is a three-letter word that we don't hear in churches or anywhere else. He says it's a sin. He calls it a sin. And church, we can attack those strongholds solely on a physical level or an emotional level, and yet we still struggle with them. And by the way, I think addiction or strongholds, you deal with them physically. You deal with them emotionally. But I think the reason why so many of us fail to tear down those strongholds is because that's where we stop the journey. 
Well, I've done everything I've could. I've went to a therapist. I'm on medicine. I go to a support group. I'm on a chat group online about it. I, I read books. And, and man, I still struggle with it. I'm still in bondage. I'm still in chains. I'm still fighting this thing all the time. So preach. What am I doing wrong? What, where am I messing things up? It's because this. We, we fail to see that there is a spiritual aspect to the stronghold. Or there, I'll rephrase it for you. There is a spiritual aspect to addiction. That if we don't deal with it, we're going, to stay bond, we're going to stay bound or we're going to stay in our chains. We have to deal with it. We attack our stronghold on several different fronts while we fail to attack the heart of the issue. While we fail to attack the source of the addiction, which is sin. Y'all, our addiction isn't simply a challenge or a struggle. It's, it's a violation of God's divine standard. Uh, when, when you're going through recovery, the first step on, BW, on, a, on, a, on a, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or things like that is you have to admit that you're powerless over that addiction or you're powerless against that stronghold. It starts with that, okay? You're powerless against it. It's run the show. It's my master. It's the boss. I get that, but I'm going to tell you what. I think we have to start by admitting that that stronghold is a sin. It's a sin. And we don't like to hear that because nobody likes to be called a sinner or, or called out that what you're doing or what I'm doing is a sin. Maybe if we try to, to admit our addiction is a sin, acknowledge our addiction is a sin, maybe that's where we need to start. Uh, the beautiful thing about CR that we do here is that it's a Jesus-centered approach to recovery. Yeah, well, they deal with the behavioral. Yes, they deal with the emotional. But they also deal with the spiritual. Church, as long as we view our strongholds and our addiction only in the physical realm or the emotional realm or the cognitive realm, that problem is going to stay because we're in bondage to sin. And we're going to fail and we're going to stay entrapped and we're going to stay locked in that, strong, that stranglehold of stronghold until we admit that, it's, uh, that our addiction is sin. And here's the thing, man. We can't we can't fight spiritual problems with the flesh. We can't fight spiritual issues with the flesh. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. Spiritual problems require spiritual solution. And the addiction that you seek freedom from, it's not a struggle. It's not a challenge. It's not a drug. It's not a wrong thinking. The addiction we seek freedom from is Sin and addiction, you'll listen to me, addiction is not an inevitable reality that you just have to stay in. Addiction is not one of those things, a stronghold is not one of those things that we just have to go through life and think, well, that's just the way it is, that's how it is. Addiction is not a supermax prison that you have no hope of ever escaping, no hope of ever getting probation, no hope of ever being released. Mm -mm. Addiction might be a prison, but baby, you've got the key to get out of it. You've got the, the key card that will open every door in the joint. It's not a prison that you have to stay at because your Savior is the warden and he, is for, he wants to let you go. So it's not something you have to stay locked into because repentance is the master key that God uses to break the sin that is binding us in spiritual bondage. Repentance is the key. Dr. Evans gives us three-step process to break free from, from our strongholds. And I want to hit those real quick. Um, and these are things that we're covering on Wednesday night. I think these teachings are very powerful, and I, they, they've helped me out a lot. So here's the three steps of, of overcoming our strongholds. Number one, know the truth. Church, say know the truth with me. 
You've read this and you've heard it before, but the Bible says in uh, St. John's book, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Well, that goes back to what I said about being in a relationship with Jesus. If we're doing what he says, we're close to him and we're in his presence. We're on the right road. You are truly my disciples if you remain, abide, continue to be faithful to my teachings. And you will know the what? And the will set you free. So if the sun sets you, you are truly okay. Man, there's a whole lot of truth in there. We've got to acknowledge and know the truth. And by the other way, the other two are going to be abiding the truth and then let Jesus set you free. But let's talk about knowing the truth. It's not just any truth that sets you free. But it's the truth of God that sets you free. It's not your version of the truth that sets you free. It's not culture's version of the truth that sets you free. It's not Joey Mayer's version of the truth that sets you free. It's not the left version of the truth that sets you free. It's not the right version of the truth that sets you free. But church, it's the truth of God that sets you free. That's the truth that we're talking about here. There's a common saying today. I heard it from a beautician just the other day. She told me what she felt and she said, well, that's my truth. You ever heard that? Anybody say that? I have. Well, that's your truth. That's, this is my truth. Y'all, we're not talking about your truth or my truth. We're talking about what does God say? What is God's version of the truth? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're graded upon. Let me give you an illustration. There's a mathematical truth that says one plus one is? All right, one more time. One plus one is? Very good. What will one plus one be in 3,000 years? What was one plus one? What did it equal 3,000 years ago? Very good. And you can write 1 plus 1 equals 3, or you can write 1 plus 1 equals 4. You can write 1 plus 1 equals 12, but it doesn't really matter because that's not the truth. Heck, you can even have, a, you can have 6 million people online uh, that says 1 plus 1 is 12. Can I tell you what? All 6 million of them, or 12 million, they're all wrong. 1 plus 1 is 2. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. The truth is, the mathematical truth is that it's always two. You can say it's three, four, and twelve, but it'll never change the truth. Truth is truth. To overcome addictive strongholds in our life, we must declare the truth that God declares. Not our truth or the world's truth, but God's truth it's not mine it's not yours it's his and what's here's the, here's here's where it kind of boils down the rubber meets the road i want you to think about the stronghold that the holy spirit said okay bubba this is what you need to look at and what you need to listen to this morning you probably already know what it is maybe it's spending maybe it's porn maybe it's an addiction maybe it's i don't know maybe it's negative thinking but the holy spirit's already said okay we're going to deal with this now i got a question for you that thing the holy spirit's already revealed to you what does god say about that stronghold in your life you don't have to answer this out loud but i'd really love for you to answer it in your spirit what does god say about that area in your life that you know there is an addiction and y'all, you don't have to have a pipe to have an addiction. You don't have to have a bottle to have an addiction. You don't have to have a laptop to have an addiction. I think some people are simply addicted to being mean, cruel, cynical. So get, get out of that whole idea because I think some people are addicted to being dishonest or gossiping or lying, unforgiveness, cheating. 
It's His truth that sets you free. It's His truth that breaks through and brings you life. His, and here's the thing. The devil will lie to us and say, Oh, don't worry about it. Everybody talks like that. Don't worry about it. Everybody's cheating on their wife. Oh, don't worry about it. All the other students cheat. Don't worry about it. It's just a little booze. Don't worry about it. It's just a little weed. Don't worry about it. It's just a little coke. Don't worry about it. It's just one little kiss. Don't worry about it. Nobody will find out your web search history. And we've got all these things going in our mind that the devil is lying about. But here's the amazing thing. When God's truth intersects with the devil's lies, the devil's lies are gone. They're gone. God will speak truth and it will unravel all that nest of the enemy's lies. His truth unravels his lies and confusions that have kept us uh, trapped in strongholds and addiction. So we know the truth. Number two. We abide in the truth. Church, they abide in the truth. The Bible's going to put it like this. going to say continue. John 8, 31 through 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you will truly be disciples of mine. And again, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The word continue there, it means to hang out. It means to chill. It means to abide. It means to just kind of soak in. And Jesus is saying, for those who soak in my presence, for those who know me, for those who abide in me, those who continue in me, there is a freedom for you. It means to hang out with the truth. I think lots of us are just happy to visit the truth from time to time and not hang out with it. We're cool with hanging with the truth from 10.30 to 11.30. Some of y'all get antsy with the truth after 11.30. I tried to get you out of here because I don't want you to feel antsy. I don't want you to have an episode. But the truth is spending, spending an hour with God isn't soaking with Him. Spending an hour a week with God, well, that's not abiding in Him. No wonder we're failing in sobriety. No wonder we're failing in the repentance. No wonder we're failing. Jesus says, abide in me. What we'll do is we'll visit His Word. We'll visit the Spirit of God. We'll visit the church. We'll visit a connect group. We'll visit CR. But we're not hanging out with God. Church, the devil doesn't care if we go to church every Sunday of the year. Forget this three out of four mess. The devil could care less if you come to church every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, as long as he can have your mind back at 12 o'clock. As long as he can have your mind back by Sunday afternoon. Because he knows this. He knows if we're spending time with God and His truth, as long as we're not hearing the truth, we're going to buy His lie. And God is saying one plus one equals two. Be in the Word. Be in the, be in the body. Be in discipleship. Be growing in me. Denounce every stronghold and addiction. Cast down the spirits in the high places. One plus one equals two. And then we got the devil over here saying, everybody cheats. Ain't no such thing as a sacred marriage anymore. If you're a boy, you can be a girl. If you're a girl, you can be a boy. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Everybody's doing it. It's fine. One plus one is 12, don't you know? The devil doesn't care if we're here as long as we don't take what's here out of here. Just doesn't care. Lord says, abide in the truth. Stay in the truth. And one of Satan's goals, church, is this. It's to keep us thinking that God is true and the devil is true. They're both right. The word I'm looking for is double-mindedness. Church, say double-mindedness. Double-mindedness means this. It means that you believe 1 plus 1 equals 2, and that's true, and you also believe 1 plus 1 equals 12 at the same time. 
It's believing two contradictory statements to be equally true. And that can't be the truth. But that's what double-mindedness means. This is what the Bible says. And I'm going to read the same text to you in just two different translations. first one is NIV. The second one is the New Century Version. NIV says this. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a... Ladies, that does not mean you're off the hook. It means all of us. A double-minded man, unstable in all he or she does. Here's, what, here's the way the New Century Version puts it. Such doubters are thinking two different things at the same time. Remember what I said about double-mindedness, believing, believing one plus one is two, and then still believing that one plus one is twelve? You can't believe both those at the same time. Being double-minded is believing two contradictory beliefs to be true. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're trying to be in two different locations at the same time. Church, this is what it means to me. We cannot be free in Christ and addicted at the same time. We're one or the other. or We're constantly fighting against one or the other. You cannot be free and addicted at the same time. You're either one or the other. One plus one equals two. Or, 1 plus 1 equals 12. It can't be both. Church, when God's truth no longer influences our thoughts, when God's truth no longer changes our behavior, when God's truth no longer affects the way that we spend our time, we live in a state of instability. We live in a state where we don't know which way is up or down. We're always running around chasing our tail. Feel like we're not ever making any progress. That whole idea of abiding in Christ. You know, of the three things that Miss Pam and I have argued about over our marriage, it's been kids, money, and the dishes. I think they should mellow out on the counter for a while. <laughs> Chill. We've got more dishes. They're up in the cabinet. She comes home. It's just me and her at the house. I love it when this is happening. Who put this here? It's only you and me here, kid. It's got to be you know, me. She says, Mike, soak the dishes. It'll be easier when you put them in the dishwasher. Now, that's true. With our dirty dishes, we can either let them soak. And by the way, I will say this. I will give her this. If you let them soak, I don't have to scrub near as hard to get the crap off of them. If I let them soak, the food boogers just come right off. Now, if I don't soak those mugs, i got to get out the SOS pad and a high-pressure high washer and things like that, and I'm scrubbing on it. You know, four-day-old barbecue is tough. It's tough to get off of, of a plate. But most of us will approach our strongholds like that dish that we're just scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing. And here's what I found out. After I scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub, I typically miss something on that plate. And it's going to be in there in the washer, and it's going to come out still on the plate. Now, my philosophy is if it's went through the washer, then that food booger is now sterilized. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just saying it's clean. That's all I'm saying. But we work and work and work on our strongholds, our addictions. And we think, man, if I just try harder, if I read the right book, if I do the right thing, if I put some boundaries in place, then I'm going to lick this thing. I'm going to get this thing. and I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to take care of it. But if we're thinking about strongholds, that's not really the advice Jesus has given us. He says, y'all, if you'll just abide in me, soak me in. 
if you just hang out with me. And I believe the longer we hang out in his presence, man, I think those things that we've been trying to do for ourselves and trying to clean ourselves off, I think what happens, the Spirit of God just begins to let them come off our life. We're working way too hard. We're working way too hard. Jesus says, abide in me and I'll take away that stuff. We soak in his presence. We soak in his grace. We soak in his love. We soak in his mercy. We're in his word and we're praying and we're worshiping. So, let's go to that last one. Allow Jesus to set you free. Allow Jesus to set you free. Once you realize you're bound by a spiritual stronghold of sin or that addiction of sin, you can repent. You can turn. You're not in the supermax forever. Jesus has given you the key that will open up the door to your freedom. Don't be surprised if this happens. You get ready to walk out. You realize the key to repentance is in your back pocket. And he looks at you and Jesus says, Are you sure you want free from this prison? Are you sure you want your stronghold to come down? Are you sure you want free from this addiction? Now to you and me, that kind of sounds like maybe a dumb question, but it's really not. I knew a guy one time down south, his name was Philip, went to the doctor. His feet were ate up with daggum athlete's foot. He said, Doc, take a look at this. He says, okay, here's some cream. And the doctor put it on. He said, do me a favor, save me just a little spot in there between my big toe and my other toe because it feels so good when I scratch. I know that's gross, but that was Philip. I think we want God to take care of all that stuff, but we say, Lord, just leave me a little bit. Because it feels so good when I do it. Church, when we come to God for deliverance and victory, He wants to take it all away because He's the Holy God. And there cannot be one sin in His presence without Him being God. Church, John 5, 6 says this, When Jesus saw Him lying there, it was a man paralysis laying beside the pool of Siloam there in Jerusalem, and He learned that He had been in this condition for a long time, over 30 years. Jesus asked this man who was paralyzed, laying on a mat, Seems like an odd question. What's Jesus asking? I think lots of us get used to being paralyzed and addicted and in a stronghold. And we just think, eh, this is the way it's always got to be. And Jesus said, man, you've got to make a choice. Do you want freedom? Do you want out of that jail? Do you want me to take all the way? Do you want me to take all the athlete's foot away from you? What do you want? And man, that's a tough question. That's a difficult question. If a person is in a strong, the stranglehold of a stronghold and wants to remain stuck, if they want to stay addicted, if they want to stay in that pattern, there's very little anybody else can do, including God. Because I, I got a feeling when Jesus asked that old boy that, do you want to get well? If that old boy would have said, nah, I'm cool being paralyzed. Between you and me, I don't think he would have been healed. I don't think he would have been delivered. I don't think he would have been set free. I don't think he would have walked. Church, your freedom from addiction and your stronghold starts by recognizing you're stuck and you've got to have a desire to make a U-turn. A desire to be well, a desire to be clean, a desire to be whole. You've got to choose to turn from sin to turn to God. You've got to want to be free. Free from the addictive behavior has to start within you. And it's possible to be completely free. It is possible to be completely free from the stronghold. But it's going to start by eliminating those thoughts of helplessness and hopelessness. This is just who I am. This is the way it is. This is the way it's always been. My mom and dad were the same way. You've got to tear those things down. You ever heard of post-traumatic stress? 
Post-traumatic stress syndrome. But church, let me tell you something. Not only is post-traumatic stress syndrome a real thing, but so is a post-traumatic recovery. God can heal you from your trauma. God can heal you from your past. God can heal you from your strongholds. As I wrap this thing up, I'm going to share just a few more things with you. Back in the, back in the day, in, one of the, in the ancient times, some of the ancient tyrants, they had a very peculiar and macabre way of punishing their prisoners. For particularly evil prisoners, or they considered to be evil prisoners, what the tyrant would do is he would, he would strap a dead body onto the back of the prisoner. Not just for a day or two days, but it would stay on there until the body would fall off that living person. So they would be walking around their whole life with this dead corpse on their back, this cadaver on their back, as it's decaying and putting off the stink and putting off the smell and, and putting off all the things and putting up with all the things that come along with being a dead body, a threat of disease and, and all of that, that the putrid smell and this rotting cadaver just, just drags with him everywhere he goes, everywhere he went, this cadaver follows him. Now, Christian... I want you to think about your stronghold or your addiction as being that dead body that stinks, that smells, that has no business being in your life. But somehow you think, well, this is, this is, this is, this is my cross. I'll carry it. This is, this is the way things are. Then I'll, I'll, just, I'll just do it. There's nothing I can do to change it. Y'all, you need to understand something. That is a lie from the enemy. You've been given freedom. You've been given hope. You have resurrection power flowing in your veins. You are free from the guilt and power of sin. You're released from the condemnation of sin. But somehow the devil thinks, uh, somehow the devil wants you and me to think that we have to carry all this stuff on our back. And Jesus is saying, I will set you free if you want it. I will take that from you if you want it. Do you want to get well, church? You, with, you have within you new life. He has a living and undying principle that the Holy Spirit is inside you. You don't have to have that old stuff hanging on you. Every day we drag around that old body of that stronghold, this body of death, a thinking of loathsomeness and hopelessness. It's just another day of carrying that dead body around when we should have been carrying around freedom. When Jesus went to Bethany and Lazarus had been dead. Of course, his sisters are out there. They're crying. They're carrying on. And Jesus says, y'all take me down to the graveyard. Let me see where old Lazarus is buried. He gets there and says, Master, the, the grave's over there. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And man, Lazarus comes out of that grave and he's not doing cartwheels. He's not doing somersaults. He's not singing let's, uh, celebration. He ain't singing none of that, man. He's standing there at that daggum door and the Bible says that he has the death garment over his face and he still has the, uh, the, the cloth wrapped around him from being buried. Now, I got a question for you, church. Was Lazarus, was Lazarus alive? Same trick question. Was Lazarus alive? Did he still have on the clothes of death? Church, I think lots of us give our heart to Jesus, but yet we still carry around those old grave clothes thinking that we're still in the tomb. In fact, look at what Jesus says there. He says, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth wrapped around his face. And Jesus said, buddy, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Church, life and freedom doesn't always come at the same time. I'm alive in Christ. I'm a born again new creature. But I still got some grave clothes that I need to deal with. I still have some things from the tomb that are still wrapped on me and I got a feeling I'm going to deal with them until the Lord calls me home but I'm not going to give up 
You can live, you can be alive in Christ and still have on the grave clothes of addiction, the grave clothes of strongholds. If you're going to get healthier, if you're going to heal, if you're going to recover, if you're going to reverse the consequences of addiction, you're going to have to overcome that double-mindedness of believing 1 plus 1 equals 2 and 1 plus 1 equals 12 at the same time. You're going to have to deal with the stranglehold of the strongholds in your life. If you want to get well, you're going to have to say, okay, I want to get well. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to address it. And here's the amazing thing, church. Let Jesus free you. Stop, stop scrubbing on the barbecue on the plate. Let it soak. One of my favorite illustrations. Favorite illustrations. I think I heard it for the first time when I was eight. I want to share it with you. And I'm going to share it with some of you who have heard it before, but I was telling Rusty about it this morning, and he says, oh, Mike, I've never heard that story. This is a classic illustration. There was an estate auction going on. They had some really cool stuff there. They had some antique globes and some, some, uh, some lanterns from the railroad that went all the way back to when they were first building the railroads across America. I mean, there was some cool, cool stuff there. They had a, an old pong game. It was awesome. They went through everything, and, and one of the last items was this old violin. It, it was old, didn't look like much. It had dust on it. There was some scratching on the back of it. The, the rosin was kind of built up on the strings. The bridge was a little cattywampus. There were loose hairs on the bow. The horse hairs kind of began to fray. And the auctioneer kind of picks it up. And there's about 100 people there, everything from an old man to little boys. Who give me $3? Who give me $3 for this old violin? Man, there wasn't a peep. Okay, who, who give me $2, man, again, there wasn't a thing. Go on to the globe. Go on to the old locker. Get the trunk. Who give me a dollar for it? Man, nobody bid on that thing. He says, going once, going twice, about that time from the back of the crowd. This curly-haired, gray man goes up there, and he didn't look like much. But they asked the auctioneer, and said, let me see it. This old man, he, he kind of takes the uh, strings and he breaks, breaks down and scrapes off the excess resin that are He breaks off the excess resin that is on the strings. He takes that bow and he tightens it and begins to cut off the, the, uh, he begins to cut off the loose horsehair. He adjusts the bridge so it's just right and then begins to, with autistic detail, begins to tighten those strings. He rubs the dirt off of it from the front and the back. and It shines a little, not a lot. He picks up that bow and he puts it on the strings of that violin. And he begins to play. And then he just gives the auctioneer back the violin. There wasn't a peep. The auctioneer says, he'll give me $1,000. Who'll give me $2,000? Another one in that back corner raised their hand. Who'll give me $3,000? Sold. One of the little boys was there with his father, and he said, Dad, what just happened? What's the deal? He said, well, son, that... That man in the back who just came up with that violin, he's the master. That's what he does for a living. 
He knows how to play that thing, and he knows how to take care of it, and he knows how to make it sound beautiful. He said, son, that violin was worth something in the hands of the master. Church, we're the violin. Our life may be out of tune. We're beat up, and we're dirty, and we're dusty. Our bridge is out of alignment. We've, we're covered in the dirt of despair and the grime of years of neglect and abuse. The soot of our dreams that we've seen go up in smoke, we're covered in it. Our life's out of tune. We see the frayed ends of our happiness all over. But church, there's something incredible and miraculous and supernatural that happens when we, put our, when we put our busted old violin in the hands of our master. He'll tune us, fix us up, and let our life song sing again. Will you place your life in the hands of the master and let him change you? Every head bowed and every eyes closed. If like my team could come up, I'd appreciate it. Man, today, do you want to be healed? Today, do you want to be set free? Today, do you want to start tearing down those strongholds of addiction? Today, you, you've been faced with some powerful truth that, that maybe you've never heard before. Maybe you, under, maybe you never understood it the way it was presented today. But today, man, you got it. It's like, okay, man, a little light went off in your spirit. A little light went off. In your heart. Yeah, preach. I, I want that. Yeah, preach. I want that freedom. If you would, church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, could I just ask you to stand to your feet? Nobody looking around, all eyes closed. Do you want to be free today? Do you want to be healed? You've been trying everything in your own physical flesh. You've been trying everything in your own power to, to receive freedom. And you realize you've only done, done two-thirds of it. You've dealt with the psychological and you've dealt with the physical. But you haven't dealt with the spiritual. What's God say about your stronghold? What's God say about your addiction? That's the truth. It doesn't matter what your truth is or my truth is or the world's truth. What's God's truth? And it's that truth that will set you free. This morning, if you've got a stronghold that you want to just give to Jesus, if you've got a, a busted up violin that you want to place in the hands of the one who can make it uh, whole and to restore it. In a moment, I'm going to give you an invitation just to come forward to this old-fashioned altar and just lay it there and say, Father, here's my stronghold. Here's my, here's my busted up dreams. And here's, here's, here's the thing that's been holding me in bondage. And God, I know what your truth is on the matter. And I know the truth is you and you alone are the only one who can set me free. Would you hand it over to him this morning? Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, as we come before you, I pray for those who are dealing and struggling with issues of, uh, of, uh, of strongholds and addiction. You're the God that releases. You're the God that restores. You're the God that heals. You are the God that gives us freedom 
You are the God that speaks truth over the lies of the enemy. You are the God that gives hope in spite and in the face of hopelessness. You are the God who gives power when we're powerless. You're the God who gives salvation when we're lost. You're the God who gives us peace when there's nothing peaceful at all going on in our life. Lord, I pray that you would just speak your peace to our people today. Would you speak peace to your flock? My dear friend, if you've got a stronghold, you need to lay at the foot of the cross today and let God begin to take care of it. You want to start the soaking process today. You're not going to let the devil have your mind as soon as you leave the place. You're going to constantly think on your victory, your freedom. You're going to claim the name of Jesus over your stronghold. You're going to claim your peace and your healing over your addiction. I challenge you to simply come forward to this old-fashioned altar. Just kneel and say, if you can't kneel, just stand. But you're just going to come forward. You're going to say, God, this, 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 is your, this is yours. I can't do anything with it. Would you come right now? Would you come right now? Would you come right now? Come right now. I can never return. Laying strongholds down at the foot of the cross. You're struggling with you're struggling with something privately that you don't think anybody else knows about, and you may be right, but the Lord does. Would you come right now? People are already up here. You won't be first. You won't even be second. Would you come? Would you come?